0: Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis. Dear Young Rocker, when I think back to my own musical beginnings, like when someone asks me how I started playing bass, I usually just start talking about high school. Freshman year was when I joined my first ever band and started blasting out Nirvana covers to church rec rooms. So I guess you could say high school is when my urge to rock got externally validated. Before that happened, I'm sure my parents didn't know if I'd stick to playing. Most people see playing in a band or recording songs to be the markers of a real musician whatever that means. But when I listened back to the story you're about to hear now, which takes place in childhood, I realized whatever made me a rocker probably happened way sooner than those obvious milestones. I was probably born to do it. Even though I usually only showed the world a shy face as a kid, I've started remembering how much I really wanted to talk back and retaliate against anyone who told me what to do, and how I usually wanted to do it in some creative way. That makes me think I've had a bit of punk in me forever. I remember my elementary music teacher teaching us a song about pizza, which I loved. I really felt like I connected with that pizza song. I usually hated singing, but I thought this one was cooler than all the babyish stuff we usually did. I think this was, like, second grade. But Mrs. Whatever suddenly decided to change the words to be about pasta in honor of the upcoming Spaghetti Supper and she passed out a new lyric sheet that she'd written herself. I thought my teacher's phrasing was pretty weak, and the lines didn't rhyme as well as the pizza version. Besides, pizza is just better than crappy old pasta any day. At least the horrible cafeteria spaghetti they'd be passing out at the spaghetti supper. So, in protest, every time we rehearsed the pasta song, I'd just scream the pizza lyrics over all the other well-behaved pasta-singing kids, and I got my best friend to join in too. I really wanted the teacher to worry we'd do it at the recital. So that might've been my actual first punk rock performance. And I know, even as a really little kid, the songs playing around me would suck in a hundred percent of my attention long before I'd even tried any instrument. So that was all a setup for today's guest storyteller, LG of the band Thelma and the Sleaze, AKA the greatest all-female queer Southern rock band of all time. In addition to being a ripping guitarist, great songwriter, and enterprising band leader, I'm happy to say LG is also part of the small club of fellow female rock podcasters. It's not a real club yet, but it should be. LG's pod is called Queen of Shit Mountain, and I'll tell you more about how cool it is after the story. But for now, it's time for me to go away and for you to listen to LG. Here she comes.
1: My name is Lauren Gilbert, but I go by LG, and I am a lady. I go by she, her, or that bitch. You can call me that bitch as well. I currently reside in northwestern Alabama, and I I was born uh, outside of Chicago in a, a small town called Kankakee, Illinois. Dear young rocker, you are a very aware, sensitive, and curious young lady. You are spending your formative years in Kankakee, Illinois, a small town about an hour south drive from Chicago. You are an eight-year-old and a passable but not overachieving student in the third grade at Kennedy Middle School. A self-proclaimed tomboy and a middle sibling in a family of stepsisters with a total of 10 children. The recipient of many hand-me-downs, you dress mostly in oversized t-shirts and jeans. You are a child of the 90s, so most of them are Disney or Looney Tunes themed. For some reason, your mother is obsessed with you having long, back-length hair, even though you don't like brushing or styling it. Oftentimes, it ends up in a tangled mess of a rat's nest, requiring your mother to spend an hour each day painfully brushing it out without much consideration for your pain or comfort. You hate it. You spend your time patrolling Greenwood Avenue with a bunch of other kids whose parents aren't exactly present, or maybe hands-off is a better way to put it. Angie is the best one. She is confident, already strikingly attractive, and a match for your natural, God-given charm and wit. She's your Huckleberry. Her mother, a mysterious figure whom you've never seen, left her and her three siblings in the care of her 70-year-old grandmother. Angie says her mother lives in Minneapolis and someday promises to retrieve them when she gets her life together. As best friends and elder statesmen of the block microcosm, you work together to hatch schemes for securing money and busying yourselves. Also aware that Angie's seven-year-old grandmother is keeping a watchful eye from her perch in their second-floor apartment. Making Kool-Aid stands and custom friendship bracelets are your favorite means of hustle, although hustling isn't your only means of staying busy and keeping out of trouble. Afternoons are also spent setting up folding chairs in the living room and putting on performances while wearing bathing suits, with mostly choreographed dancing but also some acapella singing as well. You put your boombox on your bed every Saturday to listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40 for hours. You watch MTV when your parents aren't around, and you listen to your older sister's cassette singles whenever they let you in their room. If you were lucky enough to grow up in the 90s, you know the radio was mostly dominated by R&B, TLC, Mariah Carey, SWV, and the like. Your first memories of hearing rock and roll are probably Aerosmith. Your dad and mother are both big fans, and they keep tapes in their car. Living so close to Chicago, you can also sometimes get Q101, the alternative rock station, on your boombox, too. Or in your car. Upon hearing Bellies Feed the Tree and Zombie by the Cranberries, you are instantly impressed. How are these women being lead singers and playing guitars and writing songs? They are bosses. This really affects you. You can't believe this is possible for women You thought we were supposed to just dance around and tie close to other people's songs. Wow. Home is hard when you're not distracted by you and Angie's adventures. It's easy to get lost in the mix of nine other children. Your mother and father are divorced, and your whole world is changing. When they were married, you were strict Southern Baptist. No pants allowed, church three times a week, Bible study, Awana. Now it doesn't seem to matter. Your mom remarried a guy with tattoos and slick back hair who smokes and has a gun closet. She stops going to church and says those people turned their back on her when she divorced your dad. Also, money isn't in great supply. Hand-me-downs and payless shoes make riding the bus to school rough. Not to say that anyone else is more economically well-off. Due to racial tensions of the era, you and your siblings become a target as a result of being the only white kids on your bus route. Key is labeled a rough city, in general, and your neighborhood is low-income and kind of a dangerous place as a result of its poverty. But at least Grandpa is close, and he lives in a nice neighborhood with a park, and since Grandma passed away from cancer, he needs company. He is always stopping by and letting you ride around with him in his truck to his construction sites. You are developing very thick skin, as well as a fighting spirit and a sense of humor to help assist in diffusing these volatile situations. Putting a bunch of underprivileged kids with abusive parents on a bus together with little or no supervision means they're bound to be trouble. People aren't just poor in this area, there are things that happen. Bad things. They certainly aren't the children's fault, but they unfortunately get the brunt of the consequences. Drugs, alcohol, domestic violence, sexual abuse, in fact, your own family is torn apart by molestation. It's a cycle of abuse that is untreated and trickles down over several generations. If you ask any kid on this bus, they probably have had a brush with one or a couple of these scenarios as well, which is why we are all lashing out whenever we get the chance, even though we are probably all in the same boat. Or bus, I guess. Once you arrive at school, you enjoy connecting with adults much more than other kids. Kids are mean, and adults like you because you're witty and creative in your approach to most things. Your older sister Janae is good at violin in Mrs. Brewster's orchestra class, so maybe you could be too. It seems fun to get to be responsible for an instrument and learning about music. Plus, you look up to your sister. She's kind of a badass. It also affords her something that you want, too. Grandpa's attention. Grandpa has had his focus on the grandchildren now that he is alone and we live so close. Some of his intentions aren't entirely innocent, like most male figures in your family, unfortunately, but not with you. Though you don't find that out till much later. For now, he has a cool job as a construction foreman and lets you come to work and draw pictures on his desk. He also brings you over and spoils you with ice cream, horror films, and sing-alongs while he plays guitar. He is tall, handsome, and funny. No wonder Grandma loved him. She was a classy lady with good taste, and he has a commanding presence. Pulling up to your bus stop drop-off at the end of school day can cause a lot of anxiety. If you don't jump out running, a fight could break out that you and your sister will have to scrap your way out of, like some scene from a kung fu movie. Not today, though. You did it. You made it the half block, sprinting to your front steps. Now you can scream and shit talk safely, knowing your front door will protect you. Barreling inside, you drop your backpack off on the kitchen table. Grandpa always stops by after school with his offerings there for you to find when you get home on the kitchen table. Sometimes white socks, hats, sometimes softball gear, but today, a violin. Yes. You can always count on Grandpa. Wrapping your arms around his waist and squeezing, he pats you on the head and says, Good luck, toots. Tell your sister to show you how to tune it. You can't believe how easy it was. You are officially a musician and as cool as your older sister. Plus the apple of your grandfather's eye. Wow, you think. All I have to do now is figure out how to play this thing. But if Janae can, of course I can. Mrs. Brewster is a great teacher, exciting and encouraging, but also firm. Managing your first year in orchestra, you make it to the the end-of-the-year showcase, and most notably, the deciding of the third-grade soloist. There's a lot up for grabs. All you have to do is learn Old MacDonald and knock it out of the park. Unfortunately, life has other plans for you, and you won't. The disappointment is too much, and you decide today if you're not a natural and automatically given praise, then it's not worth your time. Also, it's Janae's thing, not yours after all. You hand over your instrument to Grandpa to return to the music store's rental department. Even though you're disappointed that you don't have the skills to play violin, you like playing an instrument, and you like learning songs. Grandpa never makes you feel bad. Spending time with him at his house is a much-needed break from your house. He gives you some junk food and plays you Hank Snow songs while he drinks his evening course. Several of them. You start to forget your forlorn and brief dive into violin mastery. You are so enchanted by him. For a child with an overactive imagination and who likes attention, you are glued to him when he plays and sings. You think, wait, that's the ticket. I need a guitar, Grandpa. I was just confused. Violin is for nerds. I'm not a nerd. I need a guitar. Grandpa, can I have one of your guitars? Of course, toots. You can have whatever guitar you like. Grandpa has a very impressive guitar collection. You can count all the ones on stands in his basement man cave, and there are at least 50. You want something flashy that will really turn heads. You think, this big acoustic with the pretty hummingbird on the pit guard looks nice. Can I have this one, Gramps? Sure, Toots, you can have it. We'll put it away in its case, and I will bring it over tomorrow after school. This sprint home feels different. You're clambering up the steps and through the entryway straight for the kitchen. But wait, that isn't the hummingbird guitar sitting there. It's something different. It's smaller with the music note painted on where the pickguard goes. It's a K. It looks fancy and gives you a sense that playing it makes you fancy, and it will make your songs fancy. Yes, it's perfect. That'll suit you better, Toots. The other is a little too big, and you won't have much fun playing it. You think, I gotta trust Grandpa because he is very smart and knows just about everything about guitars. He is right, too. It's very cute, and you can finally start writing songs. Not so much learning, but writing. You want to write hits. You can't wait to show Angie this new element to your stage show. So you run down the street because you and Angie need to get busy. You both start writing a song about being best friends and then one about Scooby-Doo. The fans are going to love this. I want to ride. I want to, ooh, ooh, I want to ride in the misery Machine. It's catchy. And the brothers and sisters are going to love it. Best friends stick together. Best friends that last forever. Best friends always together. Wow. It's poetry. Yes, young rocker, you are gonna write songs and eventually even learn how to play this guitar. Maybe even inspire countless other people to write some and play too. From this moment on, your guitar becomes your inn. No more white trash girl with head lice and secondhand clothes. Nope. Now you're a white trash girl with head lice and secondhand clothes who knows the intro part to come as you are and "Stairway to heaven in many, many, many more intros. <laughs> Just intros and riffs. No need to get fancy. Just about every best friend you have from this day forward is connected to you through music and rock and roll and not being a nerd. Well, maybe they are nerds too, but now you are guitar nerds. It's different. Trust me. Entering junior high, you only care about guitar, and so does your new best friend, Samantha. She is quiet, wears cool pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin shirts, and has an older boyfriend who smokes weed. By now, you are a full-blown teenager, and mom has mostly disappeared after her second divorce, leaving you and your siblings to supervise each other. Aside from your older sister's supervision, your life is pretty lawless. When you're at school, you are either being suspended for fighting, smoking, or having head lice. You spend more time in detention or at home than you ever did in class. It's becoming a joke in homeroom at school as they read the announcements over the intercom. Please report to the office, Carrie Powell, Dana Crawford, and Lauren Gilbert. See y'all in a couple days. Now you are a teenager, your mother isn't around to provide some much-needed guidance and necessities for navigating this time in your life. So you have a new label added to your growing list of descriptors. Stinky kid. You also don't have clean clothes or hygiene products. You don't want to be at school because even the teachers are mean to you while kicking you out of class due to outbursts and disruptions. These outbursts and disruptions are definitely your way of trying to distract from the feeling of being treated like a dirty loser. But no one ever asks you about what's going on with you. But Sam doesn't treat you like this. She is nice to you because you both like rock and roll and guitars. She even lets you come over for sleepovers, even though you give her headlights repeatedly. Like nine times. Sitting on your porch one day, a couple of Mormon missionaries roll up on their bikes. These poor guys. How did they get assigned to a town with 250 people? Nobody wants to talk to them or hear anything they have to say, so you feel bad for them. One of them, Elder Wilcox, notices you playing guitar and offers to show you songs. He literally offers you a trade. I will show you songs on guitar if I can also teach you some stuff about being Mormon. Samantha will be so impressed if you learn even more songs, and also this guy really needs something to do. Okay, you got it, man. Up until this point, you didn't know that much except some chords and riffs. Elder Wilcox teaches you whole songs, and cool ones too. Nirvana, Bush, The Cranberries, Led Zeppelin, and many more that you teach Samantha at your sleepovers. She teaches you some too, and also gets you high for the first time. This will always be one of the best moments of your life. After about a year of lawlessness, your mother decides to return to some level of parental duties. She has a new boyfriend with even more tattoos. Great. He actually resembles Robert De Niro's character in Cape Fear, down to the prison tattoos and dead-eyed stare. She really knows how to pick him, and certainly has a tap. Now that she is home, she realizes her children have been running around lawlessly in a small town for a year, which ruins any hope she has of being perceived as respectable. We are moving again. Goodbye, Elder Wilcox. Goodbye, Sam. Hello, Iowa. Hello, Iowa. I hate you. I hate not seeing my friend at school and playing guitar in a room and smoking weed. For God's sakes, Samantha taught me how to use a tampon. I hate my mom's new boyfriend. I hate living in a farmhouse miles from town and other people. I hate you. On top of all that, now you have to start high school in a new place, not knowing anything. But at least you have deodorant. Because now mom is around again, you can steal hers. This school sucks. There aren't girls like Samantha, no cool rocker babes who smoke grass and listen to The Doors. Just girls who look like extras in a Lynn video, and all they care about is boys. You don't give a shit about boys. You keep to yourself, you go to church now because you're accidentally Mormon, even though no one else in your family really goes. You like the free snacks, nice people, and it's a good excuse to get out of the house. (laughs) Sitting on the bleachers one day, you are in your own world, not participating in PE because if you do, you would have to change clothes and everyone would know that your mom doesn't buy you underwear. Progress, not perfection. At least you don't stink as much. Hey, I like your bush shirt, a loud voice says. My sister likes rock music too. She's in the eighth grade, but y'all should be friends. Come over to our house and meet her after school. Who is this obnoxious angel? Her name is Danielle Mansky. She is one of the annoying girls at school who dresses like an in-sync backup dancer and only cares about boys, but her sister sounds promising. Her sister might be your godsend. After arriving at the Manske homestead, you feel like a pretty big dog. You have your own amp, guitar, and two band shirts, a bush and a Van Halen. Prepare to be impressed. Danielle, although annoyingly straight and very obnoxious, is actually funny, smokes weed and cigarettes, and has her learner's permit so she can drive to school. Pretty bitchin'. Her sister? Well, she's everything you'd hope she'd be. Maybe a little more Slipknot and Kitty to your Doors and Led Zeppelin, but you instantly click and she respects the classics. She's got her own bass too, a PV starter bass with her own amp and knows a couple Nirvana songs that you know. You begin playing together and instantly start drawing logos for your band because honestly, all you need is a drummer. Andrea can sing too and she isn't shy. We are gonna rock lollipops and razor blades, tamper evident, doll are all band name and logo ideas you begin sketching out on your notebook at school. Andrea is a step up from Samantha in a lot of ways. You actually start to play shows together in many different lineups. She loves the songs you write and you don't like singing, so it works out great that she does. You make your first CD together, clean vomit off each other in a bathtub, get arrested together, and have some innocent sexual adventures too. Most importantly, when you and Andrea play in these bands, you write these songs and it really upsets most boys at your school. You like that it upsets them so much that you decide to never play with men. You realize that without trying or thinking about it, women playing music without seeking permission or guidance from their male peers really upsets them. Almost every project you have moving forward is an all-female entity. It's not to say that all men are bad, because certainly they help you in your journey, but you like disrupting this belief that women can't or shouldn't, and you want to be part of the reason that all of that changes. Yep, this is exactly what was supposed to happen. Sometimes life throws you curveballs, but if you go with the flow, it can all work out. Now guitar isn't all riffs and best friends. You might be tempted to try some other ends too, like drugs, sex, and general adolescent mischief. You're also going to realize you are not exactly attracted to men as much as you are other girls. Growing up in a small town, drinking, doing drugs mean you are going to try a lot of things, some to great satisfaction, some not so much. One night, consent isn't really a factor, and you are just glad that you didn't do or have anything done to you that was too crazy, and that your best friend was looking out for you. Don't worry, you're not going to waste too much time in these towns acting crazy. You have an out. You play music, and you want to go where there are other people who are gay and play music. Paradise. Eventually. With the psych ward, rehab, countless AA meetings, and some relapses behind you, Young Rocker, you will find your people. They will be hella gay and really good at music. Thank you, God, whatever you are, for giving me music and also making me gay. I wish I could send a voice into the past and tell you, Young Rocker, that someday you will be paid to be a gay rocker, and you will play your guitar all around the country, not just in your living room. But I know as you were setting up those folding chairs to play for your family, you already had a pretty good idea where you wanted to go. I am proud of you for never losing sight, and trust me when I say that your life will be much richer because of it. You have good judgment and a good eye for other women who like adventure and taking chances. You might say it's one of your gifts. So trust that judgment. Trust your path and trust you.
0: Trust your path, trust you. Amen to that. Once again, my guest has provided wise words that I think could be the start of a pretty damn good song. Just saying. It always makes my day when I hear from these rockers that they got a little bit of inspiration from their younger selves. At the same time, I know doing this work can be pretty heart-wrenching. So I had to ask LG how it went for her and what she got out of dredging up the inevitable childhood trauma.
1: Well, I, I have been through years of therapy, so I'm grateful for that um, because it wasn't as probably trauma-inducing as it possibly, probably could have been, but it was still a lot. Um, and I just love Lil LG. She's always been a good bitch. She's always put her friends first, and uh, yeah, she's always had a good attitude. So every time I talk to her, I I get, you know, fairly sentimental, you know? Because I've never, I've tried very hard not to stray too far from baby LG, you know? She's a good bitch. But yeah, I think I'm going to speak on a lot of things that probably a lot of people don't Speak on, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and maybe grazing over some topics that I would go into more detail, but that's not really, wasn't really the point for me. It was to show the trajectory of how I became this thing and made it my life, you know. And I think that speaks to Baby LG and her intuitions, you know, because I really did want to grow up and be a rock star. And I think I've accomplished that goal tenfold. So, you know, part of it was also saying to her, you, you knew what she's looking for, bitch, and you never, you know, took your eye off the prize, you know?
0: Yep, she sure didn't. One thing I look for when choosing guests for DYR is musicians who believe in what they do and continuously work their butts off every day on the uphill battle to live out one's musical dreams. I know that passion and tenacity translates to a good storyteller, and LG fits the bill on all accounts. I hope the rewards of her hard work keep coming to her. So, make sure you go and listen and pay for the music of Thelma and the Sleaze, as well as subscribe yourself to the Queen of Shit Mountain podcast. I highly recommend the first couple episodes. You will hear more great rock storytelling on the history of Thelma and the Sleaze. It's a really great story. I had a lot of fun listening to it. And in more recent episodes, you can hear all kinds of interviews with some of the coolest women in rock, like Patty Schemel, drummer of Hole, Brittany Howard, Morgan Lander of Kitty. And even the elusive Juliana Hatfield, who, in all honesty, I really wanted to get on DYR. But hey, that's what Friends Podcasts are for. So please listen to all that stuff. Till next time, y'all. Next time on Dear Young Rocker. And Jimily Chitambo will describe the full experience of being an eighth-grade ska-loving nerd who writes sweet, sweet diary entries on Windows 95 about their crushes, and finally gets to skank at a real show for the first time. Dear Young Rocker comes to you from Double Elvis and iHeartRadio. It's executive produced by Jake Brennan of Disgraceland. It was created and is produced, written, and hosted by me, Chelsea Erson. I also created the theme song. Colin Fleming helps with sound design and mixing, and AutoClamour provides editing and production assistance. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please let me know by sending in a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also hang out with me virtually by following at Dear Young Rocker on Instagram please do not hesitate to send me a message there and also follow double Elvis for news about all of our new cool music podcasts. And if you'd like some snazzy DYR buttons or a t-shirt, go to doubleelvis.com shop. As always, the best thing you could ever do for this show is to share it with someone who you think would like it or just everyone you've ever met. Thanks, rockers. Dear Young Rocker is a production of iHeartRadio and Double Elvis Productions. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.